0: Hello everybody, welcome to an episode of In My Opinion, my name is John,
1: my name is Alastair and my name is Sean,
0: yes, today we are joined by someone very special, actually you may have seen him before, especially if you watch our HDHD series, he's Sean and he's back from Thailand,
1: (laughs) so welcome Sean,
0: there there was supposed to be some celebration there but it's okay, off cue a bit, Sean, would you like to introduce yourself to uh, our viewers?
2: Okay. Um, hi, my name is Sean Fu. I'm the founder of Dear Straight People, which is an LGBT platform that founded in uh, twenty fifteen, and it is mm. now Asia's leading LGBT publisher that reaches over three hundred thousand people a month.
1: Wow. So you get the feeling that like, mm. I say that a lot, right? Wow.
0: Hundred percent not scripted. That one is off the top of his head. <laughs> Definitely not at all. So the reason we have we have Sean on today, okay, Alastair, maybe you want to share with our viewers, right? The reason why we decide to invite Sean on our show today.
1: Yeah, so uh, partially because Sean was the creative head, while well, I was an intern, so I know him personally. But it was also because to uh, it's actually Pride Month this month, and Pink Dot is actually mm. when this when this releases. Pink Dot is actually this week, so if you guys didn't know, yes. it's probably this week, and we just felt that this was actually a nice topic to think to talk about, especially now, given the whole like, mm. circumstances and like. Um, about gay rights and everything Because uh, recently There have also been yes. Quite a number of news Like let's, for example The failed repeal of $3, et cetera, Etc etc So yes. We're talking a little bit About activism And gay rights Especially because We have Sean here Who is the founder Of The Straight Report Yes So yeah
0: Correct He's here to provide the, the critical insight That the two of us Cannot provide you That's right So you all can <laughs> Thank him in advance
1: <laughs> That's right So shall we jump Into the questions
0: Yes, let's begin. Okay, so today we actually have a list of questions for you, Sean. So at any point of time, right, you, are, you please please share your personal opinion so that our viewers can understand you a little bit better. Okay, so the first question, right, is regarding Dear Straight People, right, which you mentioned. Okay, so what would you say is the is the guiding principle for DSP's content? Because you know you mentioned that you're a content publisher, right?
2: I think in terms of the guiding principle, so I think the okay the value that Dear Straight People brings to the community is the fact mm. that Dear Straight People produces content that. Um, about the LGBT community and the issues we face. Uh. And for mm. a community that has been ma- marginalised um, and doesn't re- really receive that much attention, I think mm. that in itself is, is valuable. Uh. So with that in mind, obviously the, the, the guiding principle of literary Most content is to reach as many people as possible. So to translate to very simple terms, is just to produce viral content, uh, mm. viral LGBT mm-hmm. content. Um, uh, mm. but that said, um, not everything that digital produces is engineered for virality. But generally, mm. that is that is what I what I hope to achieve with whatever that digital producers. Mm.
1: And like the underlying message, throughout most of the content that you produce is essentially lobbying for gay rights and uh, or surrounding like issues that the gay community within Singapore faces. Am I right?
2: I wouldn't say lobbying. It's not mm. really lobbying. It's about. Just shining the spotlight on the LGBT community, mm-hmm. um, so it can be it's not everything is about rights. So sometimes we talk about like open relationships, more mm. controversial topics like that, three way relationships, or like issues like um HIV, that kind of stuff. So basically, yeah. it's just whatever that is. It's LGBT more tailored, related, la. Yeah, it's more tailored to the LGBT community. So like, if we're gonna talk about HIV and stuff, then obviously we're tailored to the LGBT community. Ah, we wouldn't relate to like
1: straight people and stuff like that so seeing that like the content that you produce are like very geared towards the gay community right do you feel like you are will you consider yourself an activist for the gay like for gay rights and like like the surrounding issues yeah yeah no okay okay, I was finding a lot of people people always call
2: me an activist Um, but I've never considered myself an activist Mm -hmm. um because I feel like I haven't earned the right to call myself one. You know, I feel like okay. I feel like now, right? Everyone wants to be an activist, right? We live in a world where like, everyone wants to be an activist. Everyone wants to be a, a peer socially involved and and, yeah. and uh-huh. because of that, like the, the term activist gets thrown around a lot. Like it gets used very loosely. You know, you have yeah. people who like
0: yeah.
2: who like like write write an article on medium about Black Lives Movement and then they call themselves an activist. Like. Like, fuck you lah, okay? You are not an activist. <laughs> because of that, right? Uh, but, but, okay, sorry. That, that was like a pet peeve. But, okay, back back to the question. I feel like generally, I don't consider myself an activist because I feel like I haven't earned it. Mm-hmm. And reason being that um, like running Deals for People over the years, I've met a lot of people who I would consider real activists. You know, people who really like dedicate themselves to like fighting and yeah. campaigning for social change. Um, things like that and when i compare myself to these people right, like i haven't i haven't done enough and and mm. i don't qualify mm. as that and also cause a big reason is this review is commercialized so i earn money from that la, and i feel like because yeah. of that it just kind of it,
0: it cannot be a platform for activism
2: no so so I, okay from a technical standpoint what this yeah. review produces a lot of it can be considered activism like, if you look yeah, at yeah. the definition of activism, a lot of, a lot of what digital produces is considered activism. But okay. I personally don't identify as one because I don't feel right. like I qualify as one.
1: Mm. Okay. So, like, having known- like now,
2: might a, <laughs> now might be a good time. My, I think my screen is a bit blurry. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it might be
0: a <laughs> Wi-Fi blurry. thing. It's okay. It's okay. It's Okay, it's okay.
2: <laughs> okay, so I should just ignore that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ignore it. For oh, your sake, I hope so that uh. Yeah, I see that see that we all need to produce, you know, social distancing content for you. So sometimes it's like that one, please forgive the internet, SingTel, please sponsor us. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Thank you for giving us that answer because I think like, you know, a lot of people uh, especially when they when they see uh content creation sites for LGBT uh, community right. a lot of times I feel la, the general public always perceive it as always some kind of activism platform when it's not necessarily always you know considered as such by the founder uh, mm. be it like your reason which is like you feel that like there can be more that can be done by you or be it purely just to be a lifestyle pl- portal la. Mm. let's move on to our next question shall we yes so, you mentioned earlier that, uh, about, about commercializing, right? So, this question is related to that, okay? So, how do you reconcile with the fact that you have to take on corporate sponsorship and brand deals? How do you make sure that your message is not diluted?
2: Okay, um, I've never really had to reconcile because I've never seen it as a problem. Uh, mm. I also sometimes don't really understand why people kind of look at sponsored content as like this evil thing. And I, I mm-hmm. think part of the reason is because like I, I actually work in this industry, you know? Like the J Go is like my, my site thing, la, but like my day job yeah. is in the online media industry. So I understand yeah. how the whole ecosystem works. And I understand that um, that s- sponsored content is necessary yeah. la, for any platform to be sustainable. Um yeah. I mean there are other models that a media platform can use. You can like depend on Patreon or you can use like a membership subscription thing. But there is like number one, it's very difficult to kind of build on that platform as compared to just mm. getting sponsorships. And number two, there's like a glass ceiling when it comes to that kind of that kind of um uh, uh model because then you're very mm. answerable to whoever who is subscribing and supporting you. Um yeah, and yeah. Mm. I, I still kind of want the liberty with how I produce my content and what I choose to produce. Mm. Um yeah, so mm. I also personally feel like um Sponsored content, I mean, okay, sponsorships and the inherent value of content are not two mutually exclusive things, you know? Mm. Um, there is a way that you can align that, right? And honestly, for any marketing campaign to be successful, it has to align, right? Mm. And I feel like mm. as content creators, um, since I mean, all three of us are content creators, right? As content creators, it's really our responsibility to try to ensure that when we do take on sponsorships, the content that we produce is not too diluted and it's our responsibility to advise the clients out of the business on, on the best mm-hmm. way. To do. So in a way that aligns with our platform and our branding.
0: So so you know to that effect to that effect, I guess like this question about dilution, right? Would it be safe to say that if let's say you do encounter uh, an offer that that may, you know, cause you to look too much like a sellout, out it's not within the realms of impossibility that you will reject la.
2: Yes, I, I do re- I mean I do reject if, if like the, the business is a bit dodgy, like like, yeah. Um, or if I just get very off vibes, but at the same time, I think most of the time, because I don't go out looking for sponsorships when it comes to the two people, right? Mm. All the clients that I have, they is they all approach me one, and I think mm. for them to approach me means obviously whatever that they are pushing or selling, it aligns with the LGBT community, and that's why they're
0: right, right, in
2: right. Me. So with that in mind, naturally whatever that they come, it. it Always stuff. A lot of them are LGBT mm.
1: businesses themselves. Mm. I feel like most people's like knee-jerk reaction when it comes to like sponsorships, like for, uh, content video content producers, especially on the social media side, is that, like, that these people are being a sellout or like they are like, basically throwing away their original. Not message. Honest. Like not
0: honest, right? Ah,
1: yeah, correct. That's like the immediate knee-jerk reaction, and like I semi don't understand this. Like it's just I mean you can You can keep your Artistic integrity Or like your message integrity s- Still while still Trying to earn some money And in fact the, the reason why They are able to Produce content Is because They are able to Earn money la. And A so lot of times well Yeah And a lot of times If you don't have that money You just won't have that Content out for you And Then Then it's like What's the point right Like you might You have to choose One or the other Especially if Because a lot yeah. of things Like don't just happen Because of passion Or like Like, just purely based on fashion. The world's a bit more (laughs) cruel than that. So, unfortunately, money has to be involved at certain points. uh, But I don't think it's a big, huge red flag as well. uh. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I do agree with Sean also. You know, he mentioned about how it's the responsibility of the creator to ensure that your brand is not diluted Mm. when you pick up sponsorship deals. So, you know, that's a fine line. uh.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so like, actually, that's probably one of the criticisms that DSP has, right? That, like, you guys actually have corporate sponsorships. So, are there any other, like, criticisms of DSP and its content that you have received, like, over the years? Because you've started since, like, 2015, so that's, like, been five years, really.
0: Yeah. So... Confirm go on one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, where <laughs> do I go begin? On. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> oh, nice. People have people have,
2: people, people have said all kinds of shit about DSP people over the years, like, and I think that is, that is a very natural thing. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, as as any platform gets bigger, you're bound to attract criticism. Partly because expectations become higher, mm. and also partly because you kind of lose that whole underdog, underrated factor, right? And people are going to become more critical. Yeah. Um, so yeah. in terms of criticism, commercialization is one of the biggest, most common criticisms. So, the others is like, um. So one one is like, okay, one criticism that I always hear is like, there's people always, only. Promotes good looking people, which I have always felt is unfair because, okay, okay, so j- just, okay, so this real is, is best known for its coming out stories, okay? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and generally it takes me an average of about two weeks to do one coming out story, right? Interview, transcription, okay. um, so normally there's pre interview, then the actual interview, and then everything else. So the entire process takes about two weeks. So every interviewee that I do, right? Like I don't just interview anyone. You know? mm. I always only the person mm. needs to have an angle. And nobody has ever been interviewed because just purely because they're good looking. Like that is not an angle, you know? Um, mm. and obviously after a while, I mean there, there are a lot of factors that go into why certain coming out stories do better than others. And some of it is the subjects they, they have a strong angle and also they happen to be conventionally attractive. Mm. And then yeah. their story naturally gets read uh, more compared to someone who's maybe not as conventionally attractive. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. but I feel like so that's where the criticism comes from, because like the most red story sometimes it belongs to good looking people and then people form yeah. the impression just based purely on whatever that pops up on their news feed and they say this are so only promotes good looking people. Um yeah. which is unfair because like I can't control that one, right? I can't yeah. <laughs> like if it's you know just that's just the way the world works <laughs> and that is true yeah, yeah and sometimes also certain like I think sometimes people think that like um, I, I picture certain people because they're insta-famous or whatever um, and honestly I, ne- I don't do that I think I did that once or twice before like when I was first starting out and then I realised that ins- instagram of popularity does not translate to to views like it really there is zero correlation like it doesn't help at all (laughs) um so Mm -hmm. so i i I don't do that at all i mean like i did that maybe for once once or twice like very very long four five years ago just to test it out but but after interviewing so many people and kind of seeing seeing the, the, the stats and everything and seeing the reception to each and every story um yeah yeah it's really the person needs to have an angle and a strong story behind them and yeah, so so I think that that is a very common criticism. Yeah. Like people get the impression that oh, yeah. social only promotes like good-looking
0: people, but no lah. But that, that is not that the case. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely in fact, I think you know if people, if people if people just focus on the 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 appearance thing, they very much miss the point of the story behind that piece of content. Especially if you mentioned them to be coming out stories lah.
1: In a weird way, like them pointing out that they are attractive is technically being discriminatory because of the looks as well because I mean if they look at the story itself is able it's probably a story that we're able to hold on its own because like I mm. mean all these people are able to have like they have great stories and they have like a lot of like uh, inspirational messages to send so the fact that you just go like oh you need you need feature him because he's he or she is uh, attractive then that's kind of like missing the point. And you're kind of like... The, is, re- eh? the reason why there's this problem. But,
0: uh, but I guess this is the... This is the case for... for A lot of media publishing... Subject matter, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Like... You know, it's
0: just, just... You know, just strange that... You know, DSP got big enough... That now this has become a, a issue. A potential <laughs> issue. <laughs> but I mean... Which is so unfortunate.
1: Yeah, but I mean like... Even for HTHT, Let's, let's say we take HTHT as an example. Like... Most of the people on H D H D, in fact, actually all of them are pretty good-looking people. It's not because I chose. Hey thanks, hey thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's just thanks so thanks so Oh I hope la. <laughs> But like, it's, it's actually it's and not I came because back twice I all, Thank you. Oh, I help. <laughs> It's not because I went to Instagram and scrolled down my feed and go like, oh John is good-looking or like oh Gwen is good-looking. It's just because I feel like they were interesting people and I want to interview them. So. I mean, maybe you guys are not, you guys should be like looking, it's a two-way street, right? Like the content producer has to uh, look past the, the the superficial things and that that mm. is like our responsibility as well. But from the side of the content consumer, you also have to look past the superficial stuff. Uh. So you can't just be focusing on the person's looks, like really go listen to what the person has to say. Uh. I think if we yeah. both do that, then we're able to come to a better like, world and- yeah, have a better message. It's not,
0: it's not. Con- you know the criticism like that. They're not constructive. You know what I mean, right? Mm. As a content creator, I very much rather you tell me that oh, this piece of content sucks, and then I think it's it's better if you do this, do this, do this. Then you tell me like my talent too good looking or my talent ugly. This does not value add to the experience that I'm trying to provide. Mm. Unless of course I'm I'm a I don't know magazine for for semi naked people la, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> are there any then more...
0: that will be the entire the entire selling point, right?
1: <laughs> but are there any more criticisms of DSP other than this like this thing? Uh
2: wow. <laughs> I can go on and on eh? another comment.
1: Okay, what's the one that bothers you most? The one,
0: the you know, how about you give us the top three uh, that irks you the most?
2: Okay, I wouldn't say irk, because I understand where all the uh, like okay, number the most common one is commercialization. Mm, I, I understand okay. completely where that criticism comes from. Um, I think that is especially express- okay. So I think what you all need to understand is that, um, yeah. a lot of people they chance across a uh, Dershival content like maybe they chance across like a coming out story, or they chance across mm. like a video on like a same sex couple or like an opinion piece. So basically, very socially conscious content, mm. right? And then yeah. They, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they become a fan of the world, and they follow Dershival on Facebook, YouTube, or, or mm. Instagram or whatever. Yeah. And then after that, mm. suddenly they see like a, a piece of lifestyle content. Maybe like they suddenly see Dershival is promoting a party, or Dershival is promoting underwear. And then it suddenly like mm. clashes with their, 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 their expectation of what their studio should be. Mm. Yeah. Right? Um, But then, from my opinion, like, as a content creator, like, I mean, okay, like, if you don't like this kind of content, but there are people out there who would like to party or actually, like, like. you know, lifestyle content also has value in itself, la, mm. right? Yeah. Um,
1: yes. So yes. So
2: just because it doesn't suit your, your taste, doesn't make it inherently bad, like, you know, mm. um, Dear Strip World, as an LGBT content trying to cater to the entire community. So I try to produce not just like socially conscious stuff, but also lifestyle content. Yeah. So I think mm. so I understand where the criticism is coming from. The other one that I think that was quite big um, is also that I think District Strip World is not is not um racially inclusive enough. Okay. Um, so one of the oh, early wow. criticisms that came out. Mm. So this was one of the very early criticisms that came out. I remember, uh, yeah. well, this was like, what well, this was years ago. I, I published an article, um, twenty five pioneers of, uh, 20, 20 pioneers of the LGBT community, mm. um, in Singapore, in Singapore that millennials don't know okay. about. Correct. Right. Yeah. So yeah. 20, 20, 20 pioneers of the LGBT community that millennials don't know about, and mm-hmm. in the initial list that I published, they. They were all Chinese. Okay. So that there, there were no Malay or Indian mm. um pioneers featured. Other uh, races, yeah. And nah. that one got yeah, there were no other races and that one got huge backlash. But I think that criticism was fair because you know, as, as a Chinese Singaporean you you enjoy the Chinese privilege. So you don't think about these kind of things, right? Yeah, so yeah. that was me when I was very raw and I was I just coming out and I didn't, and I I, I would I, that never even occurred to me that that, that list was not racially inclusive. So mm. I, I updated mm. that list with like um with by adding like um more minority pioneers inside, and then since then, as much as possible, I'll try to always have like um like in whatever project that I do, I make sure that is that it's as racially diverse as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes I still get that criticism because what people don't understand is like certain demographics are a lot harder to feature as compared to other demographics. Yeah, like the easiest demographic generally. That you can get to appear on a very public LGBT platform like, like Deer would be like Chinese gay Singaporeans. Mm. Mm. Right? At, whereas, whereas like trying to get a Malay to appear like, is very difficult. Mm. There are only a few of them out there that were there to appear. Trying to get um Indians so, um, it's definitely harder to get think the Chinese. So so yeah. whenever I do like a big project, like so now, Deer is currently running like um, this community driven project called letters to my closet um yes. so i also make sure that i have like every race covered as much as possible mm. um so like so cause, so how that project worked was that you know, i put out an open call and then people signed up but certain like there were some certain demographics that did not sign up at all and i had to personally go and find you know to make sure that they are represented but mm. sometimes people will the president will still come nah, like a, like why only like one malay or why only like mm. one indian I can't think. Mm.
0: But it's so, not necessarily so uh, purposely it, you do that one.
2: Correct. It's really like there is no one, you know. Mm. Like there's no one, or they don't want to appear, you know, things yeah.
1: like that. Actually, I feel like this is a nice segue to the next question, actually, because uh, we we're about to ask you one of the same love documentary episodes, which is actually featuring uh, a Malay, gay, gay Malay couple, which I actually helped to show as well. So it actually <laughs> went viral. And like he uh, actually gained Quite a good amount Of media attention Even overseas Like uh, Basically There was a lot of Like backlash A lot of controversy Surrounding the whole video we will,
0: link, we will link In the description box Yes we will And Go ahead and watch
1: Yeah And I just The question that we Wanted to ask you Is that like um, Do you feel like Despite the backlash Despite all the Problems that came with it And despite all the Controversy that came with it Do you still think It's a good step forward For like gay rights or everything? Or like, is there any concerns that come with having such a controversial piece?
2: I think concerns-wise, definitely there was. Okay, personally, it didn't affect me, like all the homophobic comments on that Mm. that, that, that video received, it didn't affect me because I've gotten a lot of it over the years and I'm very numb to it and I'm very used to it, so it doesn't bother me one bit. But I was concerned... Mm. Okay, so the thing about this video was that it didn't go viral in Singapore, it went viral in Malaysia. Mm, yeah. um, so so a lot of the, so most of the people watching were Malaysians uh, um, and what I was very concerned was that like imagine like you have like a positive Malay person who is really struggling with their sexuality and then they come across this video and then actually the video is a very positive portrayal of a gay Malay couple but then they see mm. the amount of hate in the comments and my yeah. concern was that they will be traumatized by that lah, and I think it's very traumatizing for anyone who's watching it and seeing the amount of hate from your own community coming in. Yeah, but i think yeah. in the grand scheme of th- in the grand scheme of things it's definitely a step in the right direction um because like this video it didn't just go viral like online it went viral from what i've heard it went viral offline as well like it was being circulated in whatsapp group chats and like taxi drivers oh, wow. were talking about it it was like that that kind of viral and pra- practically practically every single malay media publication picked up on that video Um, hmm. some of them gave a positive sun to it some of them did not give a positive sun to it depending on the publication but like practically everything yeah. and I think that was a step in the right direction because this video was really like showing a lot of people who don't normally consume like positive LGBT content um, that it is possible for a same-sex Malay couple to be happy to be together and to yeah. be accepted and to be open you know and I guess that's also partly why it got so much backlash because it contradicts with the worldview view and, and, and stuff but I think in the grand scheme of things when it comes to social change, people will always feel uncomfortable at first, before any progress
0: will mm. yeah. open the can of worms to pour out the worms.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think in time to come, this video will be a very important resource for especially the Malay community. La. Like like if they have, it's like, next like, uh, time like a Malay youth or whatever, they're struggling and then they go on the internet and search like gay Malay couple, they'll probably come across that video and they'll see that. Ah. You know, like a very pow- pow- powerful visual representation that yes, You can be gay, you can be Malay, but you can still have a happy life. Your family can still eventually accept you um, Mm. and you can live openly with your partner or whatever. I think that's very, Mm. very
1: important. But I do think that the concern that like, the, because these people, like, the gay couple who came out on on, like the video, actually, I mean, they already came out already, uh, but like the people who actually like, put like their, their their relationship on, in public, right?
0: Actually,
1: like, when they do it, like, to other people, they'll be looking at the response also. So, like, uh, people who are gay, who are Malay, who are in the closet and everything, they'll look at the, like, the very, rather, the bad reception and will be a little, I understandably, a little bit scared. Huh? So, like, is there anything that you want to say to this, like, demographic of people if they are scared seeing the backlash that came with it? Uh,
2: I think that don't don't mind backlash so much because at the end of the day I think what everyone wants is like a stable happy life with, with, I mean okay what a lot of people want is a stable happy life with their partner. So try to not focus so much on the homophobic comments on that video and rather focus on the message that the video is trying to convey. Which is that mm-hmm. you, know, you can be Mal- you can be gay, you can be Malay but you can still be happy and, and accepted and in a in a stable long term relationship.
0: Mm. I think that's a that's a a pretty important uh perspective shift to have lah, cause I think it's very easy to be, to be to have this 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 main story overshadowed by people's reactions. Yeah. And you know, that shouldn't be the case lah. Yeah. Mm.
1: And okay, so why don't we go on to the next question? And this question I actually very personally like. So mm. I actually went to Google a bit of statistics and it found out that. So in 2019 they did a survey and they found that 56% of Singaporeans actually say that they are against same-sex marriage. So mm. as much as we feel like the goal is becoming more accepting, and mm. I mean I'm and I mean I'm sure it is, um there's still 56%, which is like basically the large majority of people who are pretty much not yeah. very accepting still at this point. So like for uh for someone who actually does like a lot of activism related messages and like trying to lobby for a bit for gay rights, right? How wary are you that your activism is just becoming like an echo chamber and not reaching the right audience, which is which is who I feel are the ones that are against same-sex marriage?
2: Okay, I, I think that is a very good question, and I will also say that is the biggest concern that dear straight people has. You know, hmm. um, I think the problem is that for dear straight people, right, the kind of activism or the kind of value that dear, dear straight people brings to community is that its goal is to kind of reach and engage as many people as possible online but yeah. the problem yes. with that is that so social social media facilitates echo chambers right mm-hmm. you know you, we live in a world where you can just like you can just block or unfollow or mute whoever who you don't agree with you know you only like yes. or follow pages that align that fundamentally align with your own interests and beliefs so so yeah. everyone lives in an echo chamber like everyone today all we all live in an echo chamber and mm. because of that it makes it very hard for Dear content to kind of break mm-hmm. out of Dear own echo chamber. Um, yeah. But I think with that said, it, it's hard but it's not impossible. Um, I think Falik and Carl's video was one example of a piece of content that really broke through the echo chamber and reached a whole new segment of people that don't usually con- consume LGBT content. And, and that's also where the incredible backlash came from because uh, like, these people would have thought it impossible for a same-sex Malay couple to be happy and to be stable. No? Mm-hmm. And I think over the years this week has produced a, a few pieces of content that have managed to achieve the effect. So apart from the Fali and Kao, um another one is um I did this feature on Jilin and Jolin, which is a lesbian couple in Singapore. Like they got married with in you know, a hotel ceremony with like the entire family there, with the Yangseng and everything. Oh. Um and that and that and that piece of content actually went viral in like Taiwan and China. Like there are translated versions of that of the article on like Weipu and, and, and things like that. So, so mm. that article managed to also break through, like, you know, Dears Review's main English um, Asia echo chamber and kind of reach a whole new audience. And another one was, like, um, I took this photo of um, Lee Hwan Woo, who is the gay grandson of Lee Hwan Yu yeah. with um, his husband, E Ray, I think two or two or three years ago at Bing Doc, and that photo mm. single-handedly went super viral, like, it was being circulated in all the auntie WhatsApp chats. Mm. So, yeah. So, 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 yeah, I think in general, I think all content creators. I think when it comes to like impacting people, echo chambers are an issue, it's, but it's, it's hard, but it's not impossible, like it can be done.
1: Yeah, mm. even for like a small channel like mine, like IMO, sometimes we do uh, share some like social, social justice like messages and like we talk a little bit about social issues going on in Singapore and it does like bother me a little bit that like, okay, I see very nice comments and I see very nice people like, like saying very nice things in the comment section below and like people supporting me and like everything what blah blah blah. But like at the same time, I'm just wondering like, are these people did I change their minds or like they already believed in this? Then they're already the here, like, right? They already know already. Yeah. Like they already know maybe, these things. Then I the tell s- them again for what?
0: Maybe the secret right is to find a way to invade the auntie uncle WhatsApp groups. <laughs>
1: yes <laughs> <laughs> there's a secret <laughs> you make that by making viral content right like you actually have to like I think John uh, John and I actually talked a little bit about this before Uh, you have to market your activism like it's a product like it's like yes. you have to actually treat it like a pitch like a market pitch it's not like something yes. that you just put it out there and like you're like yeah you better listen to me but it's not like people won't listen to you just <laughs> cause <laughs> Just cause your yes. message is good I mean yes. there are a lot of Nice good messages out there But it be- doesn't mean People yeah. will just like Listen to you right? So you still have to Market yeah. it out properly And package it in a it nice has way It to be
0: approachable Yeah For people who are ignorant
1: Yeah and I think This is a very important thing To make sure that Your Activism is not just Like basically Circulating within A group of people Who already believe in you Already It's supposed to be Trying yeah. to Then It's like you are just
0: Link arms in one circle In Zoom and like, yeah, Yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then It, it gets nowhere when actually what you need to do Is
1: to change minds Change minds I think that's the most Im- like, I think as yeah. an activist You have to You have to understand that like Yeah People won't approach you Or like People won't really um, Go out of their way To find out these things Unless they are like mo- And like, hardly anyone is motivated To do so mm. So you do have to like Step out of Your own comfort zone To get them in And it's not the yeah. it's, Most of the time It's not the other way around It's not not really that They have to I mean they have to do it as well But I feel like the first step should be... It's a two-way uh, street also. Yeah, Yeah, but the first step, I feel like, should be on the responsibility of the activists la, and the people who are spreading the message. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, I think... Let's go on to the last question that we have for today. And I think it's a nice little throwback question and a nice little wrap-up question yeah. as well. So... If if you has some
0: time, la, so my memory not as good, but Alastair will probably remember. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, basically... Uh, Sean actually has a HDHD HD episode, we will link it down in the, in, like in the description box below as well so you can go and watch it It's 55 minutes of him, if you guys are very really interested about him But basically, uh, in the episode, Sean said, uh, well, the uh, response to one question, Sean actually said that He wishes that gay community was a bit more organised in his efforts And I feel, do you feel like this has improved in the last year? And how do you feel like people at home or in the gay community can actually help to uh, lobby for the gay rights and like help to contribute to this cause? It doesn't need to be very specific things. It can be like a more general, uh, broad idea. But like, generally, how can people at home, who, anyone who's watching this, help?
2: Okay, I think wait, that, that's actually a few questions.
1: I think there's two <laughs> questions. <No problem>, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, yeah, there, there's two questions. Yeah. Okay,
2: in terms of whether like more united... I mean, from my personal perspective, I don't think things have changed that much, lah. But okay. I think what, um, okay, you, what what y'all need to understand also is that, um, number one. Um, uh, I personally am not very involved in the whole active activism like that whole activist community, right? Mm. So this role functions quite personally, and my social circle, my primary social circle, they are not activists, like, you know. Whereas I think like a lot of the really like activists, activist people their entire social circle is just like other activists. So for me I don't really hang out with, with them like uh, mm. on a like a, on a, you know regularly. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. I also yeah. not very sure what they're doing uh, but just from my perspective as kind of like a, an outsider of sorts, it doesn't seem like a very organised effort. But with that said, I think one big reason is because like the all the different LGBT organisations in Singapore, or they all have very, very different goals, you know. Mm. So, like, DSA Report is really about producing content that reaches as many people as possible. Um, um, then you have, like, Uga Chaga, who like, does counselling for the LGBT community, or Tea Project, who like, um, it provides support and a shelter for trans people. So everyone's primary goal is very different. Mm. but. Our overarching goal is the same now, which is we all want equality and acceptance and inclusiveness. But but our primary goals are very different. So so which is also why everyone is kind of like doing their own thing, you know? Mm. Uh, mm. yeah, so that's the first that's the first question. Then the, the second question I would say, um I guess if you're a, you're a straight person and you, you're trying to understand more about this topic. Um, if you have LGBTQ plus friends or whatever, or even if you're an LGBTQ plus person yourself, um, try to listen more, try to empathize more. And if you don't understand something,
1: um, you
2: know, just try to read up more about it. Like educate like educate yourself about it. Or you can always discuss with people who you think would, would know more about the matter. Like. Mm. And you can also try to support like LGBT businesses or the LGBT organizations around because a lot of them... Especially now, they they will, they will require funds um to continue running their operations. Um, I think JustRew did an article on these are like uh, really organizations that you can that you can donate to. Um, hmm. yeah, and if you if you want to, and if you think that JustRew's work is important, then you can like and <laughs> like and share our content. Shivers <laughs> plug there. Yeah, uh, send send to WhatsApp really, groups. Don't really... just
0: like and share. Send to the WhatsApp groups.
1: Auntie yeah, WhatsApp
0: group. Or
2: send everything that you receive to all the anti-whatsApp groups. Like everything <laughs> that you receive. Uh, uh, Yeah, so I think just something as simple as just um, mm. um yeah, liking, sharing content, supporting your LGBT organizations, talking to your friends, and educating yourself. Because like. I think even within the LGBT community, like it's a very, it's a very diverse community, you know? Mm. Like I know mm. like straight people tend to kind of lump all of us together. But like the gay community is very very different from like the trans community. It's very very different from the lesbian community. Mm. Like mm. you know, and the even the culture within each community is very very different. So mm. so so even as a gay person, I wouldn't say like I understand a lot about the other, uh, the other communities. Uh, so try to always educate and engage as much as possible. Mm.
1: I think it's something that like. IMO, every time we talk about social issues, we also end the topic with the almost the same message, which is basically be empathetic. Yeah. With like, and actually keep an open mind when you're listening to people's issues. Because yes. there are a lot of injustices in the world. There's a lot of wrong with the world. But yeah. uh, at the same time, if we all just remain a little bit more open-minded and we all like just enter conversations with a bit more empathetic mind and empathet- and like basically with the willingness to listen, right? The world Correct. will be like a lot better. And I think Yeah, it's... don't
0: shun and shy away from people that, you know, or things or topics that you don't necessarily understand or relate to.
2: Hmm.
0: You know, especially if like uh these 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 people and these topics deserve to be heard. Yeah. And I think that's like Alistair mentioned, uh, this is the main message that we usually have when we try to spread some positive vibes, you know?
1: Hmm. <laughs> and yeah. So with that. This is a nice way to end it, right? nice little warm message and nice cuddly message to end it on.
0: It is. Actually, you know, I I, I mean, since this this is Pride Month and then we have Sean here and then, you know, this is a topic that is worth discussing. If you all have any you know, additional questions and stuff like that, you want us to direct towards Sean or if you want to ask us because we look like we know things, uh, we may not know as much but we will try our best, leave it <laughs> in the comments below, man. And then you, I mean, you can always, always ask your questions and we'll try our best to give you an answer. And if we cannot, we will refer you to someone who can. That's right. Steady one.
1: And stay yeah, safe. stay safe. Phase two coming. We're filming this on Thursday. So phase two is tomorrow.
0: Phase two will be here by the, yep. By the time this video is already phase see, two. Right. Uh, everybody rushed into the Haiti La already.
1: <laughs> Stay safe, guys. Let's 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 keep this going and yeah. Thank you guys so much for watching, guys.
0: Yes, thank you so much for coming today.
1: Thank, thank you. you, Sean, for coming back okay, again. Thank you guys. <laughs>
0: thank
2: you for having me back again. <laughs> yes.
1: Bye. Bye.